Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. We have something very interesting today. A conversation with a man who has undergone sex change uh, therapy, as they call it, and come back from it and has his story to tell. This is going to be an important story for many of you who are who have relatives or who are yourselves uh, confused about sexuality, experience what doctors sometimes call gender dysphoria, um, and how we're dealing with it in society. You're going to want to stay tuned. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Billy Burley, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me today. I want to thank you for your courage in, in speaking out. And uh, why don't you start by telling us your story? It all started when I was in the first grade, to be honest with you. I was in the uh, schoolyard. Um, and before the school gathered, I was looking around at the other kids. And I had this thought that came into my mind. God made a mistake. I'm a girl. And that's exactly the way it came through. And that thought was very intrusive. Every time I had quiet time or at night when I was getting ready to go to bed, though I didn't intentionally want to think that thought, that thought came into my mind. Um, I tried to push it away. Um, and then as, as I got older, in the sixth grade, I was sexually abused. So that contribute to um, the mental difficulties that I was having at the time. When I was a kid, I was very skinny. I had learning difficulties. I had a speech impediment. I was not coordinated. So I didn't seem to fit in with the boys. I seemed to fit in with the girls more so than with the uh, the kids my age, the boys my age. So we'll, we'll progress and we'll skip uh, into college. Um, I tried to cope with my mental difficulties by getting into swimming and um, working out, exercising. And I discovered that if I can move the difficulties, the hurt that I was feeling in from my head into my body uh, by running, swimming really hard, getting really out of breath, um, then the endorphins would come. It, it helped me to cope. But then I fell in love when I was in college. And love is a very, very powerful emotion. And at that time, the door on my emotional closet blew off the hinges. And I had to seek therapy. And uh, my sister helped me find a sexuality therapist. I shared with her what was going on and that I, I, I wanted to be better. I wanted to be a male. I wanted to overcome these problems and just be normal. And that started, started a long journey of uh, uh, seeing somebody talking about my problems and trying to work through them. I went to therapy for about five years. Right at the beginning of therapy, I did have a girlfriend who I fell in love with. I shared with her my difficulties and planned to break up with her. But she shared with me that she loved me she wanted to be with me, and that if I was addressing these issues, she wanted to stay with me, but she didn't want to travel that road with me. I was man enough, big enough. I thought I could do it on my own. I was wrong. We did get married, and in about three years after that, we, uh, we, we divorced. And then after we divorced, I was still in therapy. 
not making any headway. At the same time, I was a student at LSU in engineering, so I, I knew how to do some research. So I started researching what transgenderism was, um, how somebody got transgenderism, gender dysphoria, and what were the treatments. At that time, it seemed like the books were telling me that it was a birth defect, that in uterine, my mind was washed with the wrong hormones. That was the going theory. Also, and that the way that I had to deal with my problems was change my body to match my mind. At first, I believed it was hogwash. But after about five years of not making any headway, I started to believe um, what I was being told, both by the books, my research, and just what I was hearing from around me, because I also met other transgender people at that time. So I told my therapist I wanted to start transitioning. And uh, she shared with me, uh, she knew I would come to this decision eventually, and uh, it just took longer than she thought. She gave me a note. I started on hormone therapy and started on the road to transition. After going on hormone therapy and presenting as female, uh, two years later, I went through surgery. Uh, the first surgery I went through was a two-part surgery. Um, to change my appearance from male to female and to legally change my uh, identity or my documents from male to female. Then surgery was um, a penal inversion, a brow shave, and an Adam's apple shave. Um, it, I, I, I was really masculine. And so in that surgery, coming out of that surgery, I had a significant amount of bleeding from my man-made artificial female genitalia. And uh, the way that they addressed it was they continued to uh, put gauze in and they put a sandbag on my abdomen. I received a blood transfusion and also plasma and my two week stay in the hospital turned into a three week stay. It was awful. It was really, really bad. But that was only part one of the surgery or the process. Four or five months later, I had to return for part two. By that time, my money was uh, dwindling. Um, so I went to the second surgery on my own, by myself, and uh, went through that and then came back from it. That On that road, I went through many other surgeries because every time I was looking in the mirror, I always saw a man staring back at me. So I'd go through a surgery, and if you would have asked me if I was happy and if I was doing well, I would have told you, yes, I'm doing really well. I'm on this road to happiness. The books told me I was gonna be happy. Everything that I read was gonna tell me this is what I needed to do to find my peace, to find happiness. And I was on this road. But after every surgery wore off, and I kept looking in the mirror, I kept seeing a man and I had more problems seven years down this road than when I first started. And uh, at that point, I started reaching out to God. Everything was sorted because I did get married during this process. I got married to another female, another lady. Um, but at that seven year mark, when I started to turn to God, it seems like everything just started to fall apart. Um, the lady I was with, filed for divorce and divorced me. 
And after trying everything that I could to find happiness, I was back in a pit of despair. And I, I was thinking about suicide again. So uh, <laughs> I was crying, I was weeping, I was just calling out to God. And I said, God, I have done everything that I could to fix myself, to, uh, to be happy. Um, but I turn my life over to you. I turn myself over to you. I turn all my problems over to you. You have to fix this. And it's as though I heard in my mind and in my heart these words that now I finally have some clay to work with. Wonderful things started to happen after this. Somebody invited me to a small group study at church uh, where I went. Uh, the chapel on the campus at LSU. I went there when I was at LSU. Um, joined a small group study and had the opportunity to share a little bit about my, my background, the regrets that I had. But instead of turning me away and telling me to change and then come back, they embraced me right where I was. They loved me and they started praying for me. Um, I dove into the Bible. Uh, they were encouraging me. I started to learn God's word. Another opportunity came up for me to join a small group on Wednesday nights at somebody's home. At first, I rejected the, uh, the opportunity. I didn't want to press my luck. But the voice inside of me told me that, Billy, you need to go to this, uh, this, this group. I accepted the offer. And my first time there, they were just starting a new study on spiritual warfare. I knew nothing about spiritual warfare at that point, but then I started to learn that we're in spiritual battles, both with the flesh, with the world, and with the adversary. And John 10, 10 says that the adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came, past tense, he came to give life and to give it abundantly. I started to learn so much about the battles that I was in and about the provisions Jesus had already given us to stand in these battles. And I just started to grow. And then I had the thought that I needed to change my outward appearance, my documentation and everything back to mail. So I started back on this road of, of changing <laughs> everything. The initial road, John Henry, the initial road was so difficult. I lost my job. I didn't have the support of many people. But on this second road, going back to my birth gender, it was wonderful. I had the support of my employer and where I was working, um, actually at NASA at the time. And then um, I, 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 it was easy. I had the support of friends. I had the support of uh, the doctors who, who was helping me with my hormones. My body wasn't producing any, so I needed, I needed help there. God made a way for me to come back. And um, a little bit later, I met this beautiful lady. Her name is Rachel. And um, we do triathlons. I was part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes Endurance. And we met through this organization. We did triathlons. We had common interests. We enjoyed hiking, so we had common interests. We became friends. I shared my story with her. And... Uh, after sharing with her, she's like, you know, that is great, but let's just be friends. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. So then we started to go hiking and doing things together. 
And one day, sitting on a bench, she put her head on my shoulders. And uh, I knew at that point, you know, maybe our relationship is changing. So I started to pursue her in a romantic way. And um, eventually I proposed and she said yes. Rachel and I have been married for 10 years, a little over 10 years now. I have two, two beautiful stepdaughters that I consider that they are my daughters. Unfortunately, their pet father uh, passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease many, many, many years ago. So they're my daughters and I, I, I treat them as such. And uh, we just have a wonderful, loving relationship. Jesus is our God and he's also part of our marriage, a court of three. And uh, that's what sustains us. And that's where I am today. What a journey. And, and uh, it's such a beautiful journey in the end, praise God. Um, your, um, your situation when you were, um, you know, told by the therapists initially to go for it, were you warned of the, um, you know, the, the consequences of the surgery uh, and of these things? Did you realize when you were getting into it or going down the road in the first place that uh, the surgery would be so um, difficult and, and, and rather scary and, and horrific even? No, I did not. Because even though I had the letters that were required for my therapist to take to the doctor that gave him the okay to proceed, I had to do my own research up front. The therapist didn't tell me where to go or what to get. Because at that time, there were a couple of different procedures that could be done. And there were a couple of different doctors doing it. So I did my research as to what this doctor was doing and the comments that his patients uh, were giving. And so I made a choice. I did some research and I made a choice as far as the procedures. But at no time did I understand um, all of the ramifications and difficulties. Of course, when I signed all the documentation up front about what could go wrong, that was in there. The difficulty is, I mean, I think most most doctors, when you're going into a surgery, um, they don't just give you papers to sign, which which are you know thick and long, and nobody reads anyway. But they explain to you what's going on. Did that not happen? That did happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the medical community, my mental health uh, care people, the doctors I went to, I the ones I went to, they did tried to help me and care for me the best they could. And I totally and truly believe they thought that they did, thought they were doing what was best in my interest. The people that I met, they shared with me what could go wrong. But at that point in my journey and having been so distraught and thinking this is the path that I need, um, I accepted all of those risks. After going through the journey you did, what are your thoughts right now about gender dysphoria, how to deal with it, what should people do? There are um, people in this situation, and it seems an increasing number, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. But what's your message to those who uh, might feel, you know, they're, they're in the wrong bodies or things like that? You know, my heart really goes out to the, uh, these people. Um, God always gives us choice to choose our path. He is such a gentleman that um, he doesn't force himself on us or his will on us. He says, you got to choose. And 
I had people love me where I was. And even at that point, they were giving me the option to choose. But they knew I was diving into the Bible and exploring the truth. I completely encourage the people that are on this journey that you have choices to make. We're all on a journey to try to find the truth. Keep searching for the truth. I can tell you that I have found the real truth in Jesus. And that if you look to him, he is a rock, he is solid. And he tells us things that we shouldn't do. But he does this out of love and for our own good, just like a parent would do with a child. So if you want to know more, dive into the word of God. Learn more about the spiritual battles that we're all in. Um, because honestly, I had that thought when I was a child. And it wasn't until later I learned that my situation of what was going on and um, even, you know, not all of our thoughts are our thoughts. People have difficulty with me saying this, but there's many examples within the Bible that tells us that the adversary can inject his thoughts into our mind, as well as God inject our thoughts in our mind. So we need to, to reflect on these thoughts and actually ask, is this my thought? Is this what's best for me? And if it's not, to reject it. And that's what I came to in that small group study on Wednesday nights, learning about spiritual warfare. It was like I was in therapy for five years before the change, and then for a great number of years after I made the change. So about a decade in total, and never once did a therapist tell me, Billy, not all of your thoughts are your thoughts. But you know, I embraced that thought, and I owned that thought that God made a mistake I was a girl. That did me in. And if I would have known the truth, I could have rejected it and said, you know, I'm okay just as I am. So I encourage those in this battle to consider this. Today, a lot of parents are watching TV, uh, learning. You know, there is a there's a real push on right now to to accept the whole LGBT agenda and the the transgender agenda has has become more in the forefront uh, in the last number of years, such that parents who normally um, would have been fine raising their children might see uh, their little boy playing with dolls or their little girl, you know, two, two years old, uh, playing with trucks and think, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're, uh, they should be a boy. Uh, and then go down the road of transgender hormones, or, or at least they stop their uh, sexual development uh, with hormone treatment, even as young, young children. Um, what do you make of that? The battle that everybody is in is so intense. We have the media telling us that this agenda, this LGBT agenda is okay, and we should embrace it. There's a thought that's trying to be sent our way. We have the medical profession that is saying, oh, if you identify as being in a in the body that you were not born into. And I don't believe God made mistakes. He doesn't. Um, but if you believe this, we can help you. We can help you find your happiness by giving you these hormones, these puberty blockers. We can help you on this journey. What I have learned on my journey is that everybody is looking for to satisfy the needs of significance, security, and acceptance. How we find this 
in the world may not be real and it's not going to satisfy us long term. The people that are there to help us change and transition, once we get further down this road, will they be there? Will we still have the support? What will go on? The world is changing. The support that you receive, the affirmation, very much, more than likely, and I totally believe that it will disappear. So there's an agenda that is being pushed. Do not buy into it. Look to God. The thoughts that are being pushed to us, um, this is part of development, and um, look to God. Your own life story uh, is is such a powerful testimony to um, the the harm of that path, uh, and then also, uh, and miraculously so, uh, the saving power of Jesus Christ. It's uh, it's an amazing story. Uh, and one I hope many people listen to and are moved by. Um, just with regard to uh, the parents feeling the you know pressure to go a certain way when their kids are teens and come home from school saying, you know, um, we should accept these things. Uh, This is all fine and good. Um, And you're being against this. You're a Christian. Uh, There's a problem with you. You're a hater. You're a bigot. Um, How would you respond to uh, or, or encourage parents to respond to their own teenagers when they come home with such thoughts? That is a tough situation because the information that the teenager is receiving from school, from the teachers, um, from so many is saying, if you want your happiness, you have to go down this road. I would definitely say, love your child where they are. Ask them questions. Uh, Find out what's going on with them. Also look for uh, marked differences within the, uh, your child's behavior, because with me, I was sexually abused in the sixth grade, but I didn't share that information until I was in the 12th grade. I didn't share it with my parents or anyone until I was in the 12th grade. Look for sudden shifts, sudden changes in in your child's uh, behavior and definitely ask them questions. To get information, it's so much better to engage and ask questions than to share information. And then once you engage in in the conversation and you start gaining more information about what's truly going on in your child's life, what are the pressures, then then you can start sharing truth with them and encouraging them in another direction, but also pray. The power of prayer is so significant. Um, My mom, she told me that she in her heart knew that the guy that sexually abused me that was possibly sexually abusing me, but because I said nothing, she didn't ask me. But if she would ask me, I believe I would have told her. And so pray, ask for guidance, and don't ignore the, the soft voices that you ha- have that is trying to steer you uh, toward getting more information and toward the truth. Billy Burley, uh, I want to thank you on behalf of so many parents. Uh, for sharing your story, uh, for encouraging people to reach out for the truth. It's uh, it's a very hard thing to do right now, and I know that a lot of people might um, might not be appreciative of your message, but we sure are. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. God bless all of you, and we'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. 
I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.